0: Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause, Harnessing the Life Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. I'm excited that you're here today and joining me on the pause cast, where I interview thought leaders in the world of raising our consciousness, emotional intelligence, and helping us really reach our potential. For more information, you can go to my website, rachelomara.com, and download my free guidebook, How to Turn Burnout into Thriving at Work. Well, welcome everyone, this is Rachel, your host, and I'm here with the latest episode of the podcast with Dr. Lissa Rankin. Hi, Lyssa, how are you? Uh, hi,
1: Rachel, I'm good, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great for you uh, and I to be together again. I love this forum. And I know I'm going to kick it over to you to host a pause here, but before that, I wanted to give a little bit of an intro so our listeners know who you are. And I think the most exciting thing is I've I've known you for a few years now. We were introduced through our dear mutual friend, Mark Thornton, and you were in pause, the book, and you were one of the case studies where uh, you had your perfect storm and were sh- was sharing about all of these different things that were challenges in your life. And yet you found this time of grace and creating intentional shift in behavior. So I think that's one of the the, the nicest, coolest things that I'm bringing in from your end for today. And you've been at Google a few times. I know I've hosted you to talk about a couple of your books. I think uh, Mind Over Medicine was the one that I remember the most. And then since then, I know you've written a, a slew of other books, including the most recent, a daily, The Daily Flame. But The Fear Cure has been in there, The Anatomy of a Calling and overall i uh i'm super excited to just share that you know you've had such a transformational arc of your life and career and i think that uh to me is just a testament to we never know who are who we can become and Um, from your end, you know, you started out in medicine, you were practicing OBGYN, you were you've been an artist, you still are an artist, you lead workshops and retreats. So uh, it's just a pleasure to have you here. And I'm I'm really excited to talk more about the daily flame, but I think we can get into a really meaty conversation about all kinds of good stuff. So thank you for being here. And would you be so kind to lead us in a pause? Alalissa Rankin.
1: sure okay wherever you
2: are if you could just take a moment and come into the center of yourself however you do that through your breath through just noticing your body through feeling your heart Allow yourself to feel both the stillness in yourself and also whatever's moving. Maybe there's emotions that are coming up or thoughts that are moving. And just expand to include both the stillness and the energetic movement. And since we're going to be talking
1: about your inner pilot light today, just allow yourself to be in a place of inquiry and curiosity while you're locating this center of yourself. And just maybe invite
2: that aspect of your being to make itself known to you however it wants to right now. This inner pilot light
1: that Mark Nepo describes as each person is born with an unencumbered spot, free of expectation and regret, free of ambition and embarrassment, free of fear and worry, an umbilical spot of grace where we were each first touched by
2: God. And just take
1: a pause for a moment to see if there's anything that this essence, this divine spark of being that animates you, that is your life force, just pause to receive any feedback, guidance, reassurance, just unconditional love, whatever is needed right now. Let's just take a moment in silence so that you can be receptive to what your inner pilot light wants to express to you right now.
2: And then I'm going to just read you
1: one of the 365 love letters from the Daily Flame book. This is love letter 102. I just asked the book to bring
2: what wanted to be here right now. Dear Still One,
1: in the midst of chaos, there lives a quiet place. In this quiet place, there is a hole in a giant redwood tree that is just your size. If you feel like it, you can crawl inside and snuggle right up inside the womb of the tree and feel the arms of the redwood giving you a great big tree hug. When you do this, the world around you grows still, and you can feel yourself grounding down into the brown roots of mama earth, sucking up the green earth energy like you're
2: drinking kale cucumber juice through a straw. As
1: this earth juice fills your inner space and bathes all of your cells, guess what? I light up. The further you ground, the higher you can ascend. The deeper your roots, the more my ignition switch fires up. Not near any redwood trees today? Close your eyes and let me be your redwood. Tree hugs all around your inner pilot light.
2: And just taking one last deep
1: breath and feeling gratitude inside of your heart space for this beloved that is here inside of you always you are the one you've been waiting for and when you feel ready just go ahead
2: and open your eyes Ooh, that was
0: fantastic thank you Lissa and mm-hmm. I'm going to remember number 102, I think, out of your book. What a what an appropriate message, I think. <laughs> I know, that a was pause cast. my inner pilot light picked it. <laughs> yeah, well, what I love about the, the, the book and these messages is you even asking us in the beginning to check in. What does your inner pilot light ask for right now? And to me, that's such a important and critical question if i am pausing and it's easy to re- is easy to pass right over it or not think of that so just that deliberate question i think is really helpful and sure enough what needed to show up emerged so thank you mm. yeah thank you and uh i know with with the inner inner flame i remember the daily flame i remember getting getting these messages from you when i first learned about you in email and and uh i would love to hear a little bit about the book and tell us how it came about and and how did these letters really enter your life and make them make their way on these on these pages now for all of us sure
1: Sure. well it's kind of a mystery story because I didn't even know I had an inner pilot light. Uh, I mean, I grew up. My my spiritual education was a very kind of fundamentalist Christian orientation in my family. I grew up in a family full of missionaries, and my father was the black sheep who went to medical school. So there, I wasn't really exposed to the esoteric branches of Christianity, where the contemplative practices and the sort of direct access to the soul uh, are are certainly part of mystical Christianity but that was not part of my education so for me God was like God in the sky which was like you know grand poobah great father uh, with really no no access to the the divine feminine the sort of um, embodied divinity that is part of what I think of when I think of the inner pilot light but when I was when I was uh, 35 years old in 2005, pregnant with my daughter, working as a full-time OBGYN in a conventional practice and suicidally depressed from what I now know is called moral injury. It's a term that's been used for w- return war veterans who are essentially violating their own integrity in the name of doing what they're supposed to do and following orders. And I was experiencing that at a really profound level And As so often happens when uh, when one is having a dark night of the soul, I found myself on the floor of the bathroom, you know, in in the beginning of my third trimester, just wanting to get swallowed up by the earth in some giant earthquake. And I heard this voice that said, "Sweetheart, you're going to have to quit your job." And it was so loving, and so calm, and so clear, and compassionate. But what it was saying absolutely terrified me and my mind didn't really like this guidance and I didn't know who it was or what it was, but I have since come to call that my inner pilot light, which in the book I describe it. I'll just read you one paragraph. Yeah. Every life begins when a small spark of the eternal flame of cosmic consciousness splits off like a glowing ember of a universal bonfire. This unique spark ignites as the organizing intelligence that creates your organs, divides your and develops you perfectly into a precious being decorated with thoughts, preferences, gifts, talents, emotions, and eccentricities. The inner pilot light begins in every baby as the untainted, radiant, buoyant light of God-Goddess, but often gets filmed over by trauma, conditioning, and the illusion of separation from the eternal flame from which this unique spark arises. Although your inner pilot light may grow dim as life's inevitable challenges threaten to snuff out the full brilliance of this luminous fire, rest assured that your inner pilot light never burns out. Even when you die, the spark returns to the eternal flame, adding the brilliance of this unique fractal of light to that which creates all life. And so I started as a practice, as a whole story of what happened after my inner pilot light told me to quit my job, which I did do two years later, and I wrote a whole book called The Anatomy of a Calling that kind of explains how I went from being sort of the conventional medical Mm -hmm. doctor to living the unexpected life that I'm living now that I never would have believed was possible and I certainly never would have intentionally signed up for, back when I first heard that voice. But I started during that time, and I I took a two-year pause that I know you wrote about in your book after I quit my job. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really have any idea what the future would hold. But part of my practice during that pause was I would wake up. I'm a writer. I've been a writer my whole life. So writing is like a really easy point of connection for me. It's something I can do without thinking. It sort of bypasses my cognitive mind. And so I would sit down with my computer and i would just ask my inner pilot light just like we did in the meditation what do you want me to know today Hmm. and something would come through and i started sharing some of the things that were coming through for me which were always kind of shocking to me that it felt feels different than what your mind kind of thinks up there would be these things that would kind of drop in and they were like i said sort of startling and sometimes uh scary in their truth, because there were so many things in my life at that time that I was really in denial about. And I I wasn't fully prepared to hear Mm -hmm. the kinds of things, the sorts of truths that were coming through. But, you know, the truth, while frightening, also has a feeling of kind of relief. Like, oh, my God, that's true. This book was published by Sounds Mm -hmm. True. It sounds true. (laughs) And even if it's scary, there's a sort of like can feel your whole nervous system kind of relax of like oh that's what's yeah. been hurting now i understand and so i started sharing some of these with a few friends and they were like oh my god how did you know exactly what i needed to hear today and i was like well wait this is what i needed to hear today and i realized from th- this these sharings that what was coming through for me seemed to be tapped into some sort of universal truth that was Uh, helpful for other people as well so I never intended (laughs) to make this public but I just sort of started this kind of private this little private side project I I didn't even tell anybody it's still if you go to the Daily Flame uh, it doesn't say who writes it so it was kind of like my secret in the closet spiritual teaching uh, share publicly and so I've been publishing the Daily Flame as a free daily email since 2009 uh, and anybody who's listening that wants to be on that free list, it's at innerpilotlight.com. And so I was just kind of uh, doing that as my daily practice. And then I started kind of expanding it to what does what is the collective need to hear today? And we get emails all the time. It's so sweet. People write back to the Daily Flame, Dear Inner Pilot Light, how did you know that this is exactly what I needed to hear today? So it's, uh, like I said, it's been kind of this side project. And I sort of joke that this book is my accidental book deal because I was doing an audio program with Tammy Simon, the founder of Sounds True, for uh, called Your Inner Pilot Light. And I just made a sort of casual note to Tammy over lunch that I had uh, spent the past year caregiving my mother while she was dying. And I spent a lot of time sort of lying next to her in the bed while she was sleeping. And, uh, and so as kind of a practice to self-soothe, because the practice of, of sort of opening to these daily flames can be very ecstatic for me, very connecting and beautiful. And so I started just writing new, 365 new daily flames. I was going to kind of give it away as a gift for Valentine's day to my readers. And, and Tammy was like, well, can I read them? And next thing I know, I was kind of getting my accidental book deal, so it's it feels a bit uh, scary for me because this is the most kind of overt spiritual teaching that I've put out and I don't identify in any way with being some guru and I definitely don't want the projections that come with that because certainly like if there's anything that I teach in the realm of spirituality it's trust your own inner pilot light (laughs) don't don't
0: listen to mine you know yeah yeah I love that and and it's such a interesting story that twists because I, the one of the main themes I'm hearing out of what you're sharing is is uh well one is we all have an inner pilot light and it's about tapping into it to know what it should be what it's telling you otherwise you may not know and then like having it guide you and uh I just I I love that you shared these all with us in the book that kind of, you know, maybe it is for us to hear, even if it's the right day and you can pick one or let it pick it for you. If you turn to the page, I'm a big fan of that. How do I have a question around uh, how to help others? Like if I'm, if I were not, maybe I'm feeling out of alignment as an example, and it might just be a day, right? Like today, it just feels like I'm off on the wrong foot. How do I tune into my inner pilot? Like what would pilot pilot light? What would you suggest? That is important because I think that is a really critical step that we may think we're tuning in, but like, how do you really know? And I'm wondering if you have any insight on that. Well, it, it sounds like you're asking kind of two different
1: questions, which is sort of what what kinds of practices might uh, might mm-hmm. help connect to that energy or develop that intimacy with this inner beloved, and then how do you discern? whether that's your inner pilot light or some other part of you that's sort of masquerading (laughs) as guidance Mm -hmm. maybe has its own agenda (laughs) and is really just trying to get you to do what, what it wants you to do. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, and those are, those are such important questions. I mean, every esoteric branch of every religion teaches practices intended to do exactly that. So obviously I can't boil down the practices of every one of the world's spiritual traditions into a quick pat answer i can really only speak for myself i i actually my my new husband uh is not used to orienting towards life this way he's used to making decisions in the world based on his intelligent analytical mind and the culture really promotes that right so most people if they're trying to orient towards making decisions or solving problems, or how do I get mm-hmm. what I want and avoid what I don't want, then usually they're using the the intellect. This is what the culture really values. And so he's spent a year now watching me operate in a far different way than he operates. And he was like, wow, what are you doing? What's actually happening here? And and it's funny because, again, I've been writing these daily flames for 10 years, but I've never actually tried to break it down and explain it to somebody else because it hasn't mm-hmm. been relevant and now all of a sudden people are asking me this question. And so my husband asked if I would be willing to like, kind of break it down for him, like tell me exactly what you're doing. And he's a music producer with a recording studio. So he said, I'll record it, and we'll make it a program for other people that are like me that are kind of clueless and aren't even sure they have an inner pilot light, and how in the world do I know if I'm communicating with it. So we actually did put together a program called Connect to Your Inner Pilot Light. That's like 30 practices of what I actually use for myself, and it's sliding scale. It's really meant to be available to, like, anybody who needs it, uh, regardless of finances, and so the longer answer to that is actually in that program. But I can say that for myself, um, like, I have a lot of playful tools. I actually, mm-hmm. my own guidance often will come from the external world, so I know a lot of people who feel like they're really tuned in to Whatever they call their inner pilot light, uh, and they may uh, they may tune into it in meditation. They find it in silence. Uh, for me, for whatever reason, like. I play with the external world. Things come to me in synchronicities, in mysterious people that show up saying, I have a message for you. They they show up in, you know, animals that cross my path at a certain times, and billboards and signs and music that has a clue for me and dreams that I wake up, you know, I can ask a question. I wake up in the morning and I'm getting the answer to a question. It's almost, it feels like I'm on a treasure hunt, which I think one of these people who Can just ask any binary question to his inner pilot light he calls it the organizing intelligence and get a yes no question he's learned how to interpret the answer in his body which is one of the practices that i teach that one's harder for me and so he found Mm -hmm. it so surprising that i would be able to get this guidance like in other sort of more playful ways and at one point he said why do you think you do it that way why not just go inside and so I asked my inner pilot light, why does mm-hmm. my guidance show up that way? And the answer I got was because you like it that way. And I laughed because I do like it that way. <laughs> it's like way more fun than for me than sitting meditation. Like I'm very my, – my spirituality is very feminine. So, for example, I go to a five rhythms dance called Sweat Your Prayers or Open Floor uh, every Sunday morning. For me, ecstatic dance is a beautiful portal And things will just drop in because I'm dancing. Mm -hmm. So certainly for some people, sitting meditation is a a phenomenal way to start to connect to that inner guidance. But there's lots of other kind of playful ways. And I really encourage people to find the way that works best for them. I'm, I'm really jealous of people who are very somatic. Some people, for example, I've Me had too. a lot of somatic trauma <laughs> because of my medical education and 12 years of having to suppress my mm-hmm. physical body in order to accomplish impossible physical tasks of sleep deprivation, food deprivation, not being able to pee when I needed to pee, like retracting for 12 hours in mm-hmm. these horrible positions. And so I really became kind of disembodied, which, which was a huge loss because I was uh, in a dance company when I was young, so it's very in my body and very in my feminine Essence when I was young, and I really, really got uh, beaten out of me in 12 years of medical education. Mm-hmm. So it's harder for me to access that, but I know people that uh, have not had that traumatized, um, and or who have done a lot of embodiment work to clear the traumas that they may have had in their um, in their somatic world, and they can they literally develop like a very clear yes or no. They can ask their body. Uh, the, should I go left or should I go right? And they've mm-hmm. learned to interpret somatic sensations as this way is aligned with divine will and this way is not. And so for some people it's that simple. Uh, one of my friends um, who is very somatic that way will like literally look at a menu and just go through every menu item. This, 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 no, 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 no. And then this, it lights up. Yes, this is what my body wants for lunch today. Yeah. So she's not thinking what sounds good. She's feeling what the body wants.
2: Mm-hmm. And so because
1: it's harder for me to access that direct somatic connection, I actually use applied kinesiology or muscle testing a lot, where I'll have somebody else, you know, press on my arm. There's a whole, I could go off on a whole tangent about muscle testing and why it's not evidence-based and how it can be misinterpreted and how to use it right. And I do do all of that in the Connect to Your Inner Pilot Light program. But I actually do use muscle testing a lot for asking my inner pilot light to use my body to help me know something as simple as which book should I read next. I'll hold a bunch of different books and have my daughter test me.
2: Hmm. That's What's great. aligned
1: for me to go on this vacation or this vacation? Like simple things. This, you know, If I'm looking at the menu because I'm not as tuned in as my friend, then somebody can muscle test me. Which thing on the, on the menu does my body want? So there are lots of different ways, and I think it's really helpful for people to access what works for you. For me, because I'm a writer, I can always on tap sit down and say in a pilot light, what do you need me to know right now? But that's my practice. And then the the second part of the question about discernment, how do you know it's your inner pilot light? Well, first of all, I would say anybody who tells you they are 100% certain that they have the direct access to God and that they know for sure it's their inner pilot light and not some other part masquerading as their inner pilot light, don't trust them. Because I don't believe anybody knows for sure. But I believe we can get... Uh, confirmation. We can use multiple practices and start to feel a sense of I'm being guided this way or there's a, the Quakers use the term a leading. I have a leading and there are lots of different um, confirmation practices that I use. I also use other people. If I have a leading towards something, I have people that I really trust in my inner circle that I will run it by them to Run it by their inner pilot lights. Does that feel mm-hmm. true to them? Does it? Do I? Might I have a blind spot here? Might I be blending with a part that has an agenda that's really um, trying to get its own way, and rather than you know aligning with this sort of mysterious force of the universe that's kind of carrying me in the flow of it? But I have in the book, uh, uh, and this one is in Love Letter 103. I have a list of discernment questions that I ask because, and no single discernment question is kind of accurate in and of itself. Uh, Like for example, one of them is, does Mm -hmm. it make sense? And I would say 80% of the things that my inner pilot light tells me (laughs) to do do not make sense. Right. But it's always a cue for me. If it doesn't make sense, slow down. If it completely violates all common sense, which it did to quit my job, violated all common sense but I do want to slow down because, you know, sometimes we can get very ungrounded and irrational and emotional and follow intuition at the expense of common sense and wind up in kind of a really super messy place. And, you know, some of my, some of the ways that I have gotten to this point in my life have been super messy. So um, I, I don't, I'm certainly not saying we should violate the intellect or the rational mind, but that question in and of itself is useful to ask, but not mm-hmm. if, not solo. So I, I'm just going to read the questions if that's all right. Yeah, um, sounds great. And maybe those of you who are listening, maybe you have a leading towards something. You kind of feel like you've been guided towards something, but you're not sure. So take just a moment to co- sort of ask your inner pilot light to bring into conscious awareness something that... Maybe you think you're being guided towards, but you're having a hard time discerning. Is that really my inner pilot-like guiding me? Or maybe is it one of my wounded parts sort of masquerading as guidance, trying to get its needs met? So here are the questions. Is it kind?
2: Does it feel like shackles on or shackles off? Is there aliveness here? Does it nourish or deplete me?
1: Does it feel natural, efficient, easeful, peaceful, and graceful? Does it make sense?
2: Does it exhaust me or fill me with dread? Will it hurt anyone? Would love do this? How does this feel in my body? Am I feeling pressured or rushing?
1: Is it coercive or controlling? Is it ethical and aligned with my core values? Will this cultivate the stillness in me? And the last one is kind of uh, an access point to holding paradox. What's true and not true about this? So for example, uh, maybe somebody who's listening to this is thinking they need to take a pause. They're feeling guided. right? They're not thinking. They're feeling guided towards taking a pause. And if you go through those questions, then you can get a sense for how does it actually feel in your body? Mm -hmm. Does it feel like shackles on or shackles off, right? Are you pressuring yourself because you think you should take a pause? And is it you know what's true and not true about that what's true about the need to take a pause and maybe what's true about needing not to take a pause like money yeah so those help me i also want to say that if people are thinking if they're confused about whether they're getting guidance from a true source or not that which gives us guidance is in my experience responsive in other words If you're doubting it, there's no problem with that. It's totally fine to doubt your guidance. The guidance doesn't care. It's neutral. So you can say, I'm not clear, or I'm doubting this. I need another sign. I need more confirmation. Please send more guidance. And in my experience, it always comes. It may not come in your timing. It will come in divine timing. But it always comes. And there will come a point where you feel clear enough. Like I said, I don't ever feel certain. But I feel clear enough. That—that that was a long answer to a question. It's <laughs> really—it's really fundamental. Like it's kind of at the core of this teaching.
0: Yeah, and I—I I, I love the extrapolation of what you shared because it—it it isn't a simple answer. And I feel like a lot of us, whether we are really cognitive and keyed in there or otherwise. We weren't, we're always looking for the, the quick fix or the simple answer. And I think it's just a testament what you shared is, is like, it's not about that. It's about what is working for you and what are you, where are you in that and, and to where are you listening and wanting to go deeper and, and all of that, I think just totally. speaks to alignment. And, and like, it takes a little bit of listening, like you said. And, uh and asking so to me like what i'm what i'm picking up is uh it's it's not about just like sitting there and waiting for something to come to me it's literally conscious and tech and and intentional around what do i really want and maybe those questions are a few of those that i ask i love those questions and that you shared those because they do make me go deeper They, they they help me do and feel things differently than maybe my autopilot. We're not the inner pilot, but the autopilot. <laughs> I like that. Love to have me know, or just pretend that I'm, you know, cruising through on my cruise control, and uh, and you know, like bypass my inner pilot light. Uh, so I think all of that is really valid and important, and. Uh, and then on the topic of those somatics, so, you know, I'm I'm right with you, by the way, you know, I, I am a cognitive person. And I think a lot of people in our world of whether it's like the medical professions like you were in or business world and corporate worlds. It's, it's like, we live by that. That's where I've been trained. That's all I really knew. And I think as a kid, there was plenty of things that I was also really more in touch with in my body. And then somehow along the way, things just kind of got beaten out of me, whether it was like my parents divorcing and wanting to just hide in a corner or who knows what, but it's something that I've been relearning and tuning back in. And it's, And it's so important, but I think we, like, for me, a big reminder is that I have a body below my neck that I can access, but it takes that (laughs) consciousness of like asking questions and just feeling. And and it might be asking even like the one you mentioned, which is, you know, what does my body want to do right now? Or holding a book or, or looking at a piece of paper and the menu and just like deciding like visually like what would that feel like to eat a fish versus, you know, vegetable plate and, uh, and it's like a whole other data bank, right? It opens totally. up this whole other essence of what it is. And I think that's what I want to stress is that pausing an intentional shift in behavior is can can be like a depth, a new depth to learn, whether it's body bodily information that um our our heads are great, you know, our brains get us through everything most of the time. But man, there's so much more to access. And you mentioned feminine leadership and that we can all access that. And I think Like that is a main key to so much more data that is literally left on the table because I either I'm cruising on my autopilot, (laughs) bypass and interpilot, or I just maybe am not aware of it. And and it just takes a little bit of tweaking to say those questions to myself or ask a a simple question. What would bring me into alignment today? What does my body want to wear? Like that is cool shit. (laughs) And and like I said, it's fun. It's
1: For me, it's like a playful...
0: It's a playful
1: interaction with consciousness. It's like playing with consciousness. And l- like I said, p- different people have different access points that are easier for them. So one of my friends, for example, is just very much in her head during the day. But at night, she has these wild dreams, and she's gotten so interested in dream analysis, she started like using her intellect to study mm-hmm. dream analysis. And so when she does her kind of – she wakes up, in the middle of the night and like takes notes and has a whole dream journal and then she spends time in the morning as part of her practice to receive the messages from the dream. So it's like her unconscious is only able to really access her when her conscious mind is like offline Mm -hmm. (laughs) when she's sleeping oh i
0: relate oh my gosh yeah so to me totally but it's great
1: it's totally working for her and she's found this to be super practical for her so that's not going to work for everybody and Mm -hmm. i don't think there's any one way for any one person but we can sort of playfully you know we can engage with Playing with what are the different access points? Uh, one of my friends, I was just I just had lunch with her this weekend. Shiloh Sophia is uh, an artist mm-hmm. who teaches healing and energy work through art. And so for her, it's like if she's trying to access her inner pilot light, she will literally just sit down with like pens or crayons or markers or paints in both hands. She'll use both hands and just be like, "What does my inner pilot light want me to know right now?" And she'll paint it. And then she has a way of interpreting what comes out as kind of an oracle. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it can be very individualized. And and so I encourage people to like explore what way feels playful and fun and not like work. Like for me, sitting meditation is the opposite (laughs) often of what works for me because like I said, it's very much a sacred masculine practice and my nature is very bhakti. It's very devotional. It's very feminine. And so I'm much more likely to get, uh, guidance dropping in when I'm dancing than when I'm mm-hmm. sitting in an uncomfortable position that reminds me of how uncomfortable I was in surgery. Yep. So it's but but that's just me. Like I said, I have lots of people that can literally just say, Interpilot light, what do you want me to know? And sit down on their pillow and just get a complete download.
0: Yeah. I I I concur and I think that's a big message that I share in, in this world of pause is that it is what it is about what works for you. And so you don't need to meditate like you can, if that serves you, but by, by all means, it can be play. It can be self-awareness in a way that allows you to name a primary feeling or going for a walk and noticing nature and getting back into your sensory perception and all of those things. So I, I think what you're sharing is, is really relevant towards knowing what works for you. And that is in essence, what self-awareness is like, how do you know what works for you? Well, you got to actually look into it and, and be a little conscious about it. And, uh, and I know that that is so important because it's about alignment. If you're going to meditate and you hate it, then it's not probably going to work for you. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And I think people right now are like, oh, but it's supposed to be this thing and I'll feel better. And it's like, no, no, that's not it. It's it's about what works for you. And if it's dance, then go dance. Like go do what brings you joy. And that will be in alignment as well.
1: Sure. Well, the, and, the practice yeah. that I started with during the meditation, when, when the book picked which one it wanted me to read, uh, that practice is one of the practices that I teach in the Connect to Your Inner Pilot Light program as well, and I use it all the time. It's basic, you know. We in that little meditation, we kind of went inside the redwood tree, yeah. right? And then we used that. the redwood tree as sort of an, a, a a portal. And I often will go and ask the ocean, for example. I live right by the ocean, so and I also live right by Muir Woods, so I can go to the redwood trees in person. I will literally go to a tree or I will go to the ocean or or go sit next to a river, sit by a waterfall and I will ask the ocean, what is my, you know, what do you want me to know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, uh, I'll interpret it as an Oracle. It's like, uh, you know how some meditations will have you sort of focus your attention on a candle flame, for example, as a way to focus attention or intention. For me, nature is so much more effective than, emptiness or even a candle flame. It's like the ocean just tells me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it feels so intimate and so ecstatic. Like I said, it leaves me in such awe. It's like somehow I came to the ocean feeling confused, not knowing which way to go, and then the ocean resolved my confusion as best we can resolve. And again, then I can ask the questions. I don't just necessarily take the ocean's guidance as, you know, (laughs) gospel truth. Uh, Mm -hmm. but it does create very often a sense of a feeling of truth of oh I've just tapped into something true that was previously beyond my conscious awareness
0: yeah and 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 what you're reminding me of is it it's it's great to get out in nature and I think like nature pauses in general are such a good refresher and even if it's your walk around the block at lunch and I know I live in the city I'm in San Francisco I didn't get to nature this weekend but I took a run and I can look at the trees as I go by and, and like allow myself to connect in those ways and I think that's a that's just a powerful reminder that it is what we choose around us to to be part of and connect with and so whether it's the ocean or a tree or or you know just thought thinking about what can bring you more. And and then like your discernment and questioning is, is, uh, is really powerful. So I, I think all of those are really, really good tips. And I know we're coming towards the end of our time here, but really quickly, I'd love you to answer, you know, what do you do yourself to pause? I think you've mentioned this a few times, but just where, where, how, well, I mean, yeah, how, how do you spend the time, you know, you need for that, renewal and what are some of the favorite ways you like in terms of that plus maybe um, your own emergence knowing there's new things coming for you how do you like to pause in that way
1: well i have in my calendar if you look at my my google calendar one day a week that's a weekday is labeled on my calendar as lissa's succulent space day (laughs) my assistant (laughs) puts it in there no matter what even if i'm like especially if i happen to be teaching a workshop on a weekend or something there's always a weekday that's just blank and that blankness is an invitation for me to sort of tune into what's needed here so i so i sort of have pause built in Uh, unless i'm teaching a workshop or something on the weekend i don't schedule weekends either so i don't actually work that much i'm it makes me so much more focused and productive when i am working uh so i i i used to work you know these crazy hours mm-hmm. 72 hour call shifts as an OBGYN and such and somehow i'm far more productive working far less hours but i think part of that is for example i will spend like three hours on the mount on mount Tamalpais, which i can walk to from my front yard without getting into a car Uh, And I'll spend, like, I just go and I just wander. Like, it's completely not goal-oriented. I'm not going to get exercise. I'm not going to get my heart rate up. I'm not going to reach a destination. I'm literally just wandering. And in the wandering, that kind of pausing is
2: Mm -hmm. really nourishing
1: to me. And a lot of my greatest sort of um, downloads kind of come from there. Like, the, the fundamental framework of Mind Over Medicine and my first two TED talks was based on an image that dropped in like a movie like a slideshow while I was wandering on the mountain uh in a stuck point of trying to reverse engineer what I was doing with my patients that was leading to these radical remissions kind of quote unquote spontaneous mm-hmm. remissions from supposedly incurable diseases and i I didn't know what I was doing i i it was happening, but I didn't have a cognitive framework for it or a way to teach it and i had quit practicing medicine in 2010 um, officially, formally like i was no longer seeing patients anymore and people were asking how do i find a doctor like you and i didn't know cause i didn't know anybody who was doing what i was doing but i had made the inquiry of inner pilot like, show me how to teach this and it literally just dropped in during one of those kinds of pauses and I always build in regular pauses as well, like longer pauses. So I'm about to turn 50 on April 24th. And so the week before my birthday, I'm going for a 10-day trip with my husband to Hot Springs in Oregon. So we're going on a, like, natural Hot Springs tour of all those Hot Springs that you have to hike to. Like, you know, you really have to earn your right to kind of get, get naked in the Hot Springs. Yeah sitting next to the river, and for whatever reason, hot springs are a beautiful portal point for me, so time at Esalen, time at Wilbur Hot Springs, time at Orr Hot Springs, these are kind of our local, our local access points to that. Mm. Uh, there's something about being in hot water and just being in silence and being in nature that's extremely um, nourishing to my nervous system, and when my nervous system is relaxed, then my mind, my parts quiet down, they settle down, they just kind of make more space, and then I get more direct access to my inner pilot light to receive whatever is wanted, whether it's something that's, that I need to become aware of because it's in need of healing, or sort of the next step in my business, or uh, an epiphany that will help me resolve a conflict that I'm having with a loved one. Uh, things just kind of come to me when I'm in that sort
0: of pause. Mm. And you sounds like you're doing a great job of it. So so well done. And yeah, I I know uh, where I'm where where my head is going right now is is just knowing that book Mind Over Medicine is such a great book. I'm going to put it in the show notes as well because. It's just so powerful to think about mm. how my mind can shift my own healing and my body, and the, the the relationship between the two. And it's it's such a wonderful piece. So I'm, I'm like, thank you again for that book. And and well, it's and all kudos, connected. Yeah. it's all
1: connected to this as well because the the sort of wellness model that I teach in Mind Over Medicine, the foundation stone of this model is your inner pilot light. So it's basically saying yeah. any treatment decision for your body needs to be filtered through your inner pilot light. And also, essentially, you know, what if your inner pilot light is using your body to get your attention, to give you a message that's intended to wake you up, that's intended to mm-hmm. protect you. It's it's here to try to show you maybe what's in a blind spot for you or mm. where, where you're living out of alignment with your inner pilot light. <laughs> so it's fundamentally connected, the teachings of mind over medicine and what's in the daily flame. Yeah. All of the books that I put out are basically at their core. What they share is the importance of having that connection so that we can make aligned decisions in our lives, whether it's related to your calling and the anatomy of a calling or how to to come into right relationship with uncertainty in the fear cure or how to heal the body or make your body right for miracles Mm -hmm. in Mind Over Medicine.
0: It's so all related, so I, I think you're so spot on in that. And and uh, tell us where we can find more info. I know you mentioned a few times, but uh, where can oh, people sure. go to learn more and, and and get all this juicy information? Well, things, things that
1: are specifically oriented towards the Interpilot Light are all at com, where you can sign up for the free Daily Flame or the links to the book or the Connect to Your Interpilot Light program or the Sounds True program that I did with Tammy Simon, uh, all of that is at interpilotlight.com. And then everything else is at lissarankin.com. It's my name, L-I-S-S-A-R-A-N-K-I-N. And that has links to all my TED Talks and my other books and my blogs. So there's a whole different newsletter list there for people that want to be kept up to date, for example, on what I'm pub- what I'm blogging about uh, be- as part of the seven-year research for my Sacred Medicine book where I've been Working with shamans in Peru and qigong masters in China and energy healers and biofield scientists and stuff, uh, spiritual healers and gurus in the U.S. and around the world.
0: That's still in uh, progress, so then. That's awesome. It's
1: still in progress. So, so yeah. I'm I'm publishing as I go, sort of for my readers on my blog. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, wow. That's all awesome. separate than the Daily Flame, which, like I said, yeah. There's kind the of many my projects project. happening.
0: <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> totally. Yeah, great. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for all of your sharing and your inner pilot light wisdom and guidance today. I I thank you so much, and it was a joy to have you on the show.
1: Mm, Thank you. Such a pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening today. I'm Rachel O'Mara, the author of PAUSE, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. Now that you've had a chance to listen to the cast, I want to invite you to continue the conversation and join the private Facebook group, Be The Pause. You can search for it on Facebook or go to facebook.com slash groups slash Be The Pause. It's also in the cast notes for this episode. Also, if you are struggling with overwhelm or being stressed out at work and you're not really sure what to do next, I invite you to download the free guidebook for the three keys to turn overwhelm into thriving at work. This is on my website, rachelomera.com, and you can download it there today. See you soon.